At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And it's my birthday. I get to choose the podcast. (laughs) It's Alex's birthday, so everyone better be super nice. Yeah. I mean, by the time you listen to this, it won't be my birthday anymore, but it's my birthday now. Yeah. Which is not now for you, as you're now is an odd word, but it's my birthday on May the 16th, in the afternoon times, as we record, whenever you listen to this. And well, it could be my birthday now, if you're listening to this a year from today, and not tomorrow, when it releases. Why aren't you listening to our episodes on time? What did we do? Do you not like us enough? What can we do to make this podcast more interesting for you? Like, what do we have to do to bump it to the top of your feet? There's nothing else going on right now. If you're not listening to our podcast now, like, we're never gonna make it. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know what you want. Anyway... Yeah. Sorry, that was vaguely feral of me. No, I liked it. It's also your birthday, so I'm not allowed to question any of your decisions. That's the rule. <laughs> that, that is legally what birthdays mean. Yeah. Um, it's okay. I understand. If people aren't listening to our podcast, it's probably because they're watching Sheet Raw, and I get it. <laughs> I support that choice. I do. I really do. It seems like a good one. Anyway, um, I hope that you, Addison, are doing well. I know we just had this conversation off mic, but I, I don't <laughs> cease to care about you once we hit record. You are still my friend, even when you are my coworker. Oh, thank so you. So I still hope that you're doing well. Um, I am actually doing well today, as you can hear. I'm probably slightly manic because I've gotten more sunshine in the past, <laughs> like, 12 hours than I've gotten in a month. Uh, so that's nice. Not anywhere unsafe, just in my backyard. Very good. Um, but anyway... On that topic, since everyone is spending a lot of time at home right now, or should be spending a lot of time at home right now, if you are in one of those states where your uh, upper level management, so to speak, has utterly failed you and required you to go back into the workforce, I'm so sorry. I wish that you were also at home listening to this show right now. But if you are at home or if you are trying to look for a way to cherish what little time you have spent at home, then maybe today's episode is for you. I am going to do a little bit of a broad sort of categorical look today at household spirits. Oh, dunk. Okay. So there are a number of different varieties of household spirits. There are traditions all over the world that involve dealing with the little critters that live and dwell in your domestic place of bliss, um, whether that's ancestor worship and the spirits that sort of get passed down with your home, or whether that is like object worship and the sacred energies that are in the materials of the house itself when they are created, or simply little imps and goblins and damavoy that sort of dwell within your place of living and help out with all the little things that you don't see or think about every day. Oh, like brownies. No matter what it is. Yeah, like brownies. Um, There are all sorts of these things. They're little critters, again, from all over the world, from a number of traditions. And today, we're just going to sort of skim the surface and talk about a 
a little bit about a bunch of different ones, sort of a, a sampler platter of household spirits, if you will. They, a charcuterie of domestic dwellings. I love a charcuterie. <laughs> Don't we all? So yeah, I, I'm hoping that, you know, in the future, we can do a little bit of a deeper dive into some of these things, because there are definitely spirits we'll mention today that could very well get their own episode. But I thought it would be really fun right now just to sort of talk about a, a, a pretty broad you know, categorical look at them as a sort of summary, if you will, Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, one of these may suit you and your place of residency. And I didn't want to pigeonhole anybody. Absolutely. And, and, and I guess what more appropriate time than a time when most of us are spending a lot more hours in our dwelling places. Exactly. I know, um, when all of this sort of popped off, like literal, day one, or I guess day negative one, day zero of quarantine, when we were like, this is coming, we're going to be locked in our house for a long time. One of the last things that we did is um, Andrew and I and our friends Grace and Tim, who were here with us at the time, because we weren't sure if any of us had been exposed yet. And like, anyway, it was a whole thing. But they were with us for a couple of days at the beginning, just to make sure everything was like safe and locked down before either of them had to travel. Um, But we basically were like, we're gonna make one last run to stores while they're open all at once. And we're going to get like essentials and groceries and things, but we're also going to take some time to get a few things just to sort of like beautify our home because we're going to be spending a lot of time in this space. Mm-hmm. We might as well make it a space that we really love. And um, that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Just like bringing home plants and art supplies and like uh, you know cleaning supplies and just things that I was trying to think ahead as much as I could. Like, what can I do to make the place I'm going to spend the next however many days mm-hmm. a place that I want to be in, a place of joy and a place of, of light and comfort and safety and a place that like feels grounded and nice to me. And um, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm in a position where I can do that. I am a fairly recent homeowner um, and that is kind of an awesome thing. But with all of the responsibility of that comes this sense of like, what can I do and what is my relationship with this place that I own that houses me and provides for me. And that's kind of where household spirits come into play. Mm-hmm. This is a really, really long standing tradition. Um, if you were a Greek mythology nerd or a Roman mythology nerd in middle school, um, hashtag Rick Riordan, we love you. But if you were one of those, then you're probably well familiar with the fact that in those pantheons, as well as many others across the world, there is a goddess of home and hearth, yes. right? Which would be Hestia. And that concept of like the home and the hearth as a sacred element is really, really pervasive, I guess, for lack of a better word. It's sort of ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place. And I think that that's not uncommon. Like for as long as humans have found designated dwelling places for themselves, that's been sort of a sacred thing, right? Right. But the idea of the home as an actual like sacred space in the sense that there are deities associated with it is also thousands of years old. In some instances, it is a literal god or goddess, like a higher level deity like we would think of. In a lot of places that are more like folk traditions, Mm -hmm. um, it ends up being more of like a, a singular sort of entity. So there is like the concept of a, a god or goddess or deity of home as an umbrella term, but there is also a concept of individual homes as having like their designated spirits. Right. And it's those things are not unrelated, mm-hmm. but there is sort of a distinction to be made there. Although I think it's interesting to sort of consider them all as part of the same tradition. 
So this really cool article that I found is from Atlas Obscura. I love Atlas Obscura. Atlas Obscura is great. Um, but there's an article in Atlas Obscura from December 14th, 2016 by Eric Grunthauser titled, How to Appease Household Spirits Across the World. Quit playing games with my heart, <laughs> which I love. But I thought it would be nice to talk about, like, you know, if you're home right now, what can you be doing not only to, like, take care of your space, but to take care of the spirits that are taking care of your space? Yeah. So here's how good old Eric starts us off. If you're lucky, you can live in a home where a hairy little household imp will keep your kitchen clean, or a domestic god will grant you everlasting good fortune, so long as you keep them happy. From ancient Greece's goddess of the hearth Hestia to the hobs of northern England, household spirits have been around for centuries. But most such mythical creatures double as gods of fire and agents of chaos, so failing to tend to their needs can lead to missing items, broken dishes, and calamitous fortune. As you prepare your home for the holidays this year, here are some tips on how to keep particular household spirits in good standing. I don't know when the next holiday will happen <laughs> on this planet we call Earth. It seems like they're sort of cancelled for the time being, but... I think that you can be taking care of them just as sort of a practice of taking care of your home and yourself as you go along. And so we're going to just blow through some of them. The first one listed here is the Domovoi. Addison, are you familiar with the Domovoi? The word sounds familiar, but I don't know that I'm familiar with the details. <laughs> well, I can tell you the reason the word sounds familiar. <laughs> the reason the word sounds familiar is because, uh, spoilers for Artemis Fowl, if you've never read Artemis Fowl, <gasps> Domovoi oh! is the name of, it, it's Butler's name. Yes! Yeah, but uh, actually the reason I thought you might know what a Domovoi is, is because it's uh, largely considered to be Russian in origin. It's broadly Slavic, but there's a strong association with Russia. And I knew that you had spent ah. some time there, and I didn't know if this was something that you had like, heard of or picked up. I have no idea how common it is now. I just know that's where its origins are. I can't say that it came up while I was over there, but I would be interested to know more about it. Yeah, so Adonavoy, uh, again, it originates in Slavic mythology, broadly Russian. It's a hairy little imp, <laughs> which basically is specific to a, a certain household. So it's like a personal household god. Uh, they usually reside somewhere beneath the threshold, under the stove, or in the oven. In the oven? Sometimes they live in the oven. That might be where they go. Uh, is that they comfortable? <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I guess it depends on how clean your oven is. Uh, Domovoy <laughs> take the form of, and this is delightful, a tiny old man about the size of a small child with a long gray beard. <laughs> sure. They're sometimes thought to be the spirit of the original head of the household. So sometimes they will have like physical features or characteristics that are uh, specific to the family. So like, you know, if you look at somebody and be like, oh, wow, you look just like your uncle or you've got those Flanagan eyes or whatever, like a Domovoy in your household might have features that run in your family. You might recognize them almost. Oh, that's kind of nice. Isn't that kind of neat? With me, it would be, uh, with me, it would be, it would be my dad's shoulders. <laughs> Those swimmer shoulders, huh? I've got them. I've got them. They're just, they're just broad shoulders, but they're something I've gotten more comments on from relatives than any other thing of like, ah, you have. Your father's shoulders. That's hilarious. They can also take on an animal form. Sometimes they would appear as like a cat or a dog or maybe a snake, which is interesting. So if you have a snake living in your <laughs> oven, it might just be your domovoy. <laughs> but also, Alex, perhaps don't advise people to just let snakes live in their oven just in case it's not. Oh, you should absolutely let the snake spirit. live in your oven. If you, feel, if you see a snake in your oven, just leave it be. Leave it like a little <laughs> dish of something nice. Appease it. <laughs> Does it have your grandfather's eyes? If so. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
before you toss that snake out, consider, does it remind you of your grandfather? <laughs> does it just sort of have a certain je ne sais quoi about it? Do you feel like you know this snake? Oh, gosh. Does the snake keep asking you when you're going to get married and have grandchildren for them? <laughs> oh, goodness. I love that. Please, carry on. Oh, you would like to know more about the Domovoy, perhaps? Perhaps I would. Perhaps. Uh... So the Domovoy, basically what it wants, because all household deities have sort of like similar interests, but um, specific ones will have like specific like care checklists, right? Like requirements you need to go through. Like when you bring home a fish for the first time and it's like, here's what you got to do. Well, for a Domovoy, you have to keep a tidy household. So if this is what you need to tell yourself in order to clean your kitchen during quarantine, um, just tell yourself that Grandfather Snake, who lives in your oven, demands that you wash your dishes. <laughs> You need to keep your house in good condition and not leave food out unless it's a little table offering to the Domovoy. We'll talk a little bit more about table offerings here in a hot minute because um, that's something – there's another article I found which is kind of like a here's how to like start building a relationship with the spirits in your house, which is very fun. But mm -hmm. um, this is just sort of our, our Domovoy overview here. If the Domovoy are happy, they might come out at night and perform small chores around the house and the yard. Oh, nice. Yeah, so you scratch their back, they'll scratch yours, kind of a deal. Very good. Um, however, if they become upset, oh no, then they might like steal things, break things around the house, and disturb your sleep. <laughs> oh, just a bad roommate, basically, is what they are. If you don't, basically, make them happy. just a bad roommate. Yeah. Oh no. But you know, as long as you don't leave the dishes out, yeah, then they they might like rake up some leaves for you, or put away the uh the things that you left out, like. If you had a board game, they might, like, pick up the pieces for you or, like, mm -hmm. little things, you know? So that's yeah. a Domovoy. There is a similar spirit in Finnish mythology, which, like, God, I don't know Finnish, and I should have looked up this pronunciation, and I apologize. I had better things to do. It's my birthday. But <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, this is the uh, Kotahaltia. Okay. So in Finnish mythology, there's, like, a, a broad category of spirit, which are, like, the Haltia or Haltija which acts as a protector of someone or something. So these protectorate spirits, the Kotihaltia is the home protector spirit. Okay. So you've got a whole category of like protector spirits of the this or the that or the whatever. The Kotihaltia is the protector of the house or the home. <clears throat> Similar to other European household imps, it's a little elf figure that can either be a helper or a trickster, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We know this story, you know? Like, right. you take good care of them, they help out around your house, you displease them, they break dishes. It's very straightforward. <laughs> That's how they go. time. Yeah, exactly. Who amongst us has never? Uh, they, the thing about Kotaltia that's interesting is they are said to live in the attic or the barn. They look out for and protect the family that lives there. There is another kind of um, Haltia specifically called a Sonatantu, which protects uh -huh. the sauna specifically. <laughs> there is a sauna spirit that protects your sauna. That's its whole job. Dang. I would love to be well off enough to have a sauna for a sauna spirit to protect. I know, right? And then like the dream is to, once you pass on from this mortal plane, become a Sonatantu whose job is just to chill in the sauna. <laughs> Oh, to be a sauna spirit, chilling in the sauna, <laughs> soaking up that good, good heat. Isn't that the dream? What I imagine, and I know it's not what you're describing, I don't know what it looks like, you haven't told me yet, but what I imagine is that video of the capybara in the, like, steamy bath with the oranges floating in it. Do you know what oh I'm Oh my gosh, about? I love that so much. And, like, it's a yuzu bath, that's what it is. The capybara oh, in the yuzu bath, that's phenomenal. what I'm imagining. 
Uh, there's not a lot of detail on what they look like for today's purposes. Again, this is sort of a broad overview. I didn't really deep dive. It does say they're little elf figures. So I think we're looking more in the realm of like brownie imp leprechaun here. Um, mm-hmm. Not capybara. <laughs> can I pretend it's a capybara? And you can pretend it's a capybara. Certainly, if Thank you want you. to. I mean, I'm not going to stop you. Finland might. <laughs> What jurisdiction does Finland have over me? (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of like brownies and goblins, as we move into like more of the Western European lore, next we have the Trasgu, which is from Spanish folklore. Fun. Okay. It originates from the regions of Northern Spain specifically. Uh, It's a little goblin or imp with a strange love of domestic chores and a tendency towards mischief. (laughs) Atlas Obscura postulates that it might be related to the more violent and malevolent red cap of European folklore. If you're familiar with red oh, caps, red cap. I think we've talked about them before. I was just going to say they've come up. I think they came up talking about berries, and I know they came up talking about the about uh, the duende. Yeah, definitely. So the Trasgu wear red caps, um, and they are a little bit more mischievous, but they are not like as malevolent as the red cap. They're they're not quite right. on that on that scale, but they are more towards that end of the spectrum. They appear as small, spindly elves that wear red cloaks and red caps, so that's fun. Uh, They have a signature color, I love that. They do, yeah, they're all in uniform. They also have a limp, which is odd, and they all have a hole in their left hand. Why? Well, I'll tell you. (laughs) Okay. So one of the things about Trasgu, right, is that they, they really, really, really love doing chores. Okay. Which is an interesting thing. Um, And you're supposed to provide them with, like, a little bit of food and a warm place to sleep, like, maybe near a chimney. And if they're happy, they'll, like, do all their chores for you. But if they're neglected, then, of course, they'll move and hide items. They'll break the dishes. They'll make a mess, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Again, we've heard this before. If you are sick and tired of your Trasgu and you feel like it's judging you and you just can't be bothered to clean up enough to keep it happy. And you're just frankly, like, I don't need this level of stress in my life. (laughs) Then you can get rid of the Trasgu by assigning them an impossible task. The most common one is that if you ask them to pick up grains and the grains all fall through the hole in their hand, eventually they'll get frustrated and be like, I can't do this. And then they'll just leave. That's delightful. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's horrible, but also it reminds me. And at some point we'll do an episode where I dig deeper into this stuff because like uh, that's all, that's been a plan for a while. But um, I uh, when you look into like a lot of cultural variations on the vampire story, one of the mm-hmm. classic ways that you like trick a vampire or keep it from like attacking you is you spill um grain like yeah. rice or something and then they feel compelled to pick them all up individually mm-hmm. they don't have the hole in the hand that makes them fall through but that just reminded me so much of that like you give them this menial task that will take forever and that gives you lots of time to run away yeah exactly but with the- this is sadder because they literally can't because it'll fall out of they the hole and do it <laughs> and then they just get so frustrated and discouraged and that beat they down <laughs> I'm just like, I can't do this. I can't show my face around here anymore. That's sort of like, um, that's like that thing that people do. Don't do this. It's it's unhealthy. But it's like that thing people do where they don't want to break up with someone. So they just make themselves more and more unbearable <laughs> until the person breaks yep. up with them. Yep. So you just, instead of telling the creature, I don't remember how to pronounce the name of it. Um, instead of telling this thing to leave. You just make it more and more unhappy until it just is like, you know what? I don't need this. It's really kind of like sad too. I don't think I could ever find it in my heart to do this to a Trasgu because like what you basically have to do is you have to take the thing that they love doing and that they like define themselves by, which is doing chores. And you have to assign them one that they literally cannot ever be good at. 
and they just try and they try to do it until they finally just become so frustrated with their lack of progress that they give up forever. (laughs) I okay, listen. This feels a lot like some of my professors in art school. Me, I was just gonna say that. I was gonna say, listen, maybe it's because I'm a little hormonal. Maybe it's because it's an emotional time in the world right now, but I'm taking this very personally. (laughs) My feelings are hurt. Dramatic flashbacks to Meisner training. Yeah, I don't like. Literally, don't make me. I won't. I won't do repetition. I won't do it. I won't do it anymore. And that's just me. Me doing repetition is just me putting grains of rice in my hands. Putting grains of rice in your left hand, which has a hole in it. And watching sadly as they drain out through the hole in the bottom of my hand. And then you have to do it again and again and again and forever again and again forever or until you give up. Until you give up and you go to grad school for something completely different. It's not completely different. Okay, listen. All right. Anyway, my point is I got my feelings hurt over the Spanish uh, household spirit. And yeah. That's just where I'm at. I do think that maybe it's been unfairly maligned and I think that maybe it's mischief and uh, ne'er-do-welling is just acting out because it feels so frustrated with its uh, artistic passion. And I think that maybe if we just like gave it a semester off and like wrote up a referral, I think that it would be okay. I think if you just give them a chance to shine in tasks that they're good at and you like let them unfurl their wings and fly, then perhaps... They'll soar farther than you ever could have imagined. Yeah, maybe it's just acting out because people are always talking about the brownies and the brownies get all of the European folklore household stories. Like, okay, we know who's going to be the shoemaker off this semester, but could it maybe be the Trasgu just once? (laughs) This is getting too personal. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's talk about the hub next. Talk about the what now? The hub. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 Mm yes. I'm familiar. Yeah. So the hub is just like sort of the... I don't want to say generic. It's sort of the blueprint for a lot of the little, like, helper elf stories we know since then. These are from Northern English folklore. So, again, like, generic European English folklore is, like, a lot of times the flavor that we end up getting is largely broadly British. Um, And these are, though I hesitate to mention it, these are what the house elves in Harry Potter are based on. Mm. Because J.K. Rowling never had an original thought in her gosh darned life. All she knew how to do was take other people's ideas or take longstanding cultural ideas, mine all the horrible parts of them, and somehow make them worse. But in any case, the hob uh, comes out of the folklore of Northern England, and uh, they're kind of a variable type of household spirit, so it can be more of a broad classification, but they like to inhabit shops or farms, so it can be a household spirit, or it can sort of be like your family business has a hob. Mm -hmm. So again, shoemaker elves, like that kind of a thing, that's very much like a hob story. And Mm -hmm. they like to help with the work. They're a little bit less associated with a specific like family or dwelling place. Uh, They're more associated with just like this is the building and the line of work that I do. So like I'm a farm hob or I'm a shoemaker hob or I'm a, Mm -hmm. you know, bakery hob or whatever, which honestly sounds dope. I love that. That's nice. Uh, They look like very small little elves. They come out at night primarily and they don't like to be seen in their work. In fact, they really don't like their work to be acknowledged at all. They don't want to be rewarded for it either. So unlike a lot of other household spirits where, like, you're supposed to live out a dish of milk or some food or something nice for the little, you know, brownie or what have you or the trasgu, like, you are not supposed to leave out 
stuff for the hob. They get very offended. That's so weird to me. That's so interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. And again, I hate to like bring it back to Harry Potter because I just don't want to give JK Rowling any more airtime than she absolutely has to have. Um, certainly not any of it positive, but since this is where most people will have the association, the whole thing with like the house elves being liberated if you give them clothing is mm. actually kind of like a weird twist on hob folklore where the whole thing is actually like if you reward them for their work by giving them like clothing, they get so offended that they will leave forever. <laughs> oh my God. They're like, how dare you? Uh-huh. Yeah. This sock? You gave me this sock. Um, excuse you. Yeah, they're like, I'm not a sellout. I do this because I'm passionate about the work. How dare you? I've never been so offended in my life. Yeah, and I'm not sure what that is, but they don't want to be like rewarded and they don't even want to be praised. Like you're just supposed to let them do their work um, and go on about your business and they'll go on about theirs. I wonder if it is something to do with like, and and I don't know, I, I may be reading too deeply into this, into this, but I wonder if it is something to do with like, them considering it to be an act of altruism, and then if you reward them or praise them for it, it ruins it? I don't know. Maybe. It might be that. Um, It might be something, too, where it's just like, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of, like, there's anything in particular. Maybe it's like, you know, we're doing this because we take pride in our craftsmanship or our work or whatever, and, mm -hmm. like, why would you try to reward us with an inferior human good? Like, you know what I mean? It might oh, just yeah, be... yeah, there's also that. Like, if you were, for example a baker and they were doing like little bakery tasks for you at night like with their supreme hub craftsmanship and then you were like oh i'm gonna leave out some food it's like okay so we made you all this like really delicious excellent fairy pastry and you gave me like a stupid human biscuit this is the worst <laughs> gift i've ever gotten in my life <laughs> actually i like that a lot like how dare you equate these two things that we just did it's an i like the idea that it's an ego thing <laughs> that it seems me. on par for fairies it does and 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 it, and it just makes me want to, like, it makes me think of them basically saying, like, um, we don't do this for you. <laughs> well, honestly, and that, that also might be it, you know? So it yeah. might be sort of an interesting thing where it's like, this is a, a work that we take a lot of pride in. And by you trying to thank us or reward us for it, it implies that we work for you. And exactly. we don't. It's like, how dare you imply that I'm your, what, employee? No, no, no. This is an act of charity I did for you. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing this to get my pastry badge. Yeah, like, I'm doing this because I have six months of fairy community service. <laughs> After I stole that baby. Oh, God. It's like when you're in high school and you're trying to get your work-study hours, but, like, you can't do work-study hours at the place where you work. But, like, mm -hmm. how are you supposed to work and then also do, like, unpaid work that gets you work-study hours? Yeah. It's like, if you pay me, then I can't get the seal on my diploma. Yeah, so, like, stop it. Yeah, seriously. So uh, what we're saying is if it's a hob, then you can't give them any payment for their work or you're going to ruin their work-study hours. Yeah, they're trying really hard. <laughs> they just need, like, three more. <laughs> and people keep messing it up. I'm still laughing at the image of, like, them coming out at night and there's a plate with, like, some human cookies on it. And they're like, what is this garbage? <laughs> did, you, did you not see the palmiers that I left on your table this morning? Those were impeccable. Oh, oh. Uh, you give me this? Palmier raisin? Pathetic. <laughs> Ridiculous. They flip the plate over, scatter cookies everywhere, and they say, if you can't appreciate us, then we're going to leave. <laughs> oh my gosh! And it makes sense. Honestly, you're correct. That aligns so much more with fairy lore because they're all they're all like so dramatic. It's like if Banksy came to your town and did like a mural on the side of a building, and then you were like, "Thanks, Banksy. Here's a watercolor painting I did." <laughs> <laughs> or if you were like. 
thanks, Banksy. Here's a $5 bill. These things are the same. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. No, yeah. Uh, so next is the Zashiki Warashi. What is it? The Zashiki Warashi, which okay. comes to us from Japanese folklore. Oh, lovely. Okay. Oh, yeah. Warashi is like um. That's like the su- like the the second like when that's the the second word in like a pair of words. It, t- it means like spirit. It's like the something. Yeah. Spirit. So this is got the, it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So this is the Zashiki spirit. Got it. The the Zashiki Warashi is interesting because basically we've talked a lot about like how to get rid of certain spirits. Mm. Um, if the zashiki warashi leaves, that's bad news. Oh. You want this one to stick around. Okay. So for the most part, these things remain invisible, or when they do appear, they can appear as, and this is Atlas Obscura's description, a plump little kid. Oh. Just like a cute little guy. I'm picturing- But they the, only show- I'm picturing the kid from Up. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Russell. I love that. Just a little Boy Scout spirit. Um but they only show up typically to children. Okay. So they can appear as children to children. They typically only show up to the adults or the owners of a house if they're getting ready to leave. Oh, dang. So, like, you could have one for a long time and not really know it, or your kids could be like, this is my invisible friend. And uh, you'll be like, okay, whatever. And then they might come to you one day and be like, Daryl, I'm moving out. I've put up with too much for too long. It's time for me to leave. Anyway, the bad news is that should the ghost vacate the premises, uh, it is a sure sign of impending doom and ruin. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So they are a little bit mischievous, um, but you really are supposed to just, like, put up with it, because if you if you drive one out, like, bad times are going to befall you. Mm. So, okay, that was my question, is do they leave because they know bad stuff is coming, or does them leaving cause bad stuff to happen? I think it's actually a little bit more subtle than either of those things. Okay. I think the logic is that they are good luck, mm, got ultimately. It. And so, like, while you have one, you've got, like, generally things are better than they would be if you didn't have one. So they might be annoying, but if you were to get rid of this thing, the sort of ambient luck that has been present for you Mm -hmm. will cease to exist. Mm, Got it. Okay. And as far as their pranks, like, they're really just lame pranks. They're they're not, like, actively doing bad or mischievous things. They mostly tend to just, like, make noise in empty rooms or, like, undo the bed covers after you already made the bed. Got it. I think the thing that's frustrating about this is that how are you supposed to know you need to, how are you supposed to, like, take care of them and make sure they're happy where they are if you don't know it's there? <laughs> I think with the Zashiki Warashi, it's actually less that you have to actively take care of them. These are more ones, I think, that just sort of, like, exist in your space and like to cohabitate. It's just saying don't actively do anything to get rid of them. Don't try to drive them out. Mm, okay. I think you would know if you had one because despite being invisible, like I said, kids can see them or they will, like, run around doing little pranks like troom troom-esque sort of capers <laughs> where again they will like you'll make the bed and you'll turn around and they'll pull the covers down or like you'll be in your office trying to work and they'll be in the next the empty room next to you just like banging on pods and pans <laughs> they'll replace your lipstick with a little cactus <laughs> <laughs> exactly you said troom troom i didn't i know i love it oh gosh but See, I always enjoy, like, I I get that it would get exhausting after a while, probably, but I feel like I've fallen into such a mundane routine these days, being just at home, working from home, having my classes, all that specific stuff, that anything that kind of shakes things up a little bit, I could use maybe a fun little, I could use maybe a fun little child trickster spirit banging pots and pans together when I'm not looking. You could use a little Troom Troom Boy Scout. Yeah. Yeah, I could use a little little Boy Scout that lives in my walls. Um. (laughs) I am the Boy Scout that lives in your walls and does the pranks. (laughs) 
I actually, uh, I you, you're falling asleep. Just the moments, that kind of murky place right before you slip away into the into the beautiful realm of dreamland, and you hear from the walls, uh, you hear 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Oh gosh! Or any one of those other like bus ride songs. <laughs> just terrible. This is Down the by song the bay. It <laughs> never ends. Um, oh no. Anyway, you know. It. Yeah, that sounds actively horrible. You know the um, one. But yeah, so that's that's this friend. I like it. I do too, actually. I think it's it's one of the more enjoyable ones on here. The last one on this list, and there are a couple others that I'll sort of cover, generally speaking, sure. is, and again, I apologize, I do not speak Lithuanian. I should have looked up the pronunciation. I did not. Uh, this is the Gabija. Okay. Everyone be nice to Alex. It's her birthday. Okay, yeah. Or um, Gabija or Gabija. No, I mean, drag me. I should I know, I mean, be more I'm careful just, about this. I'm being silly. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. It was this or like not getting an episode up this week, so Sorry. Anyway, these are from Lithuanian folklore, and this is interesting. This is one that gets back into being less a household-specific spirit mm-hmm. and more of a folk deity for households in general. Uh-huh. So when we're talking about Gabija or Gabija, or I'm going to say Gabija because I think that's what it is. Okay. Um, in any case, Gabija is like the figure for households. Okay. And one of the more potentially destructive household gods because Gabija is is sort of a goddess of the hearth in in that she is a figure of the fire in your hearth really. Mm. So not so much like warmth and home and domesticity, but more like actively the fire that keeps your home running. So think back to a time when the fire was essential for, like, heating your house and keeping you alive and also preparing all of the food that you needed. Like, fire is really an essential part of the household. Not so much in our modern day lives, but there was a time when those two things were indistinguishable. When you would build camp around a fire and then eventually you would build a house up around your ability to make a fire. Like, if you ever read the Little House on the Prairie books and, like, they would build up the fireplace and then, like, make the cabin around it. Like, it's such a central part of life there. Gabija is the fire goddess in the sense that fire is the centrality of the home. Right. If that makes sense. In human form, she appears as a woman clad in a red dress. Although she can also take the form of a cat or a rooster. I love her. Yeah. And basically, all you need to do to keep Gabija happy is you just need to take proper care of your household flame. So if you have to put out the fire, use pure water as any other liquid might anger her. Filtered water only. Filtered water only. Artisanal. Fiji. Do it right. Me pouring out bottles of Evian to douse the household flame so I don't (laughs) anger them. Yes, queen. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the reason it's very important to keep Kabisha happy is because if she gets displeased, she will wander. And the last thing you want is a fire wandering out of your home. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would mean spreading through your house and burning everything down. Yikes. Not so much what we want, right? No, not really. That's intense. Yeah. That took a turn. It really does. It does take a bit of a, a bit of a twist there toward the end. Oh, God forbid you live in the woods or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That would be very bad. Smokey the bear is shaking. <laughs> anyway, so that last one is kind of an interesting transition point because, like mm-hmm. I said originally at the beginning, a lot of what we're talking about and where this comes from is this idea of figures that represent broadly, like, the concept of home and hearth and well-being. Yeah. Um, and this is something that we still, to a certain extent, see today. I am not Catholic, but I know a lot of Catholics who do have, like, little 
figures or um, shrines, as it were, to specifically, like, saints. Like, the saint of your garden or the saint of growing things or, like, the saint of home and, like, prosperity. And that you would set up in your home. Like, it's not uncommon to have a shrine in your household. I think there are a lot of people who maybe are not of that particular practice that when they hear like, oh, a household shrine would think of that as a very archaic sort of thing, but it's really not. A household deity is like a pretty common practice even today. Yeah. And even more so if you are of a practicing religion that, or a faith, rather, a faith practice that includes that. Um, a lot of people I know who practice various forms of witchcraft or, or paganism have household altars that they keep. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's not, yeah, and so it's not unusual to have something like that or to pay respects to various spirits in that way. There is also the concept of not just, like I said earlier, not just a spirit that represents home, but also like a spirit that might actively inhabit the materials that make up your home itself. Mm -hmm. So rather than talking about like, this is my Nissa, it lives in my couch, we're talking about like, this is the spirit that makes up the earth that was formed into the bricks that built my home. And that sort of starts to get more into like animism. And I am not the person to speak on Shinto, but I know that Shinto has certain elements too of like these living elements that make up all of the various things that surround us and like paying respect to all of the natural forces that come together to create different objects or uh, various like cornerstones and elements in our life. I, 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 so, I remember that coming up when uh, Marie Kondo's show came out because a lot of the ways that she approaches the objects in a household come from some of that. Mm-hmm. Like the idea yeah, of definitely. thanking something for the work or for like what it's done for you in your household. Like, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I just remember like, again, obviously also not an expert at all. I just, when you said animism, it reminded me, I read an article from, uh, from a Japanese American writer talking about how, uh, how that factors into a lot of her approach, Marie Kondo's approaches. Yeah, and, and it's a really fascinating thing because when a lot of Western audiences hear it, they dismiss it as like new agey. They're like, oh, that's some ridiculous new agey stuff. When the Actually, that couldn't be further from the truth. It's a very, very old practice mm-hmm. uh, that has roots going much further back. But I just wanted to point out like – for as much as we have fun here and as much as like we sometimes take a tongue-in-cheek approach and we say these things are very silly, like this is also a practice that is alive and well. So when yes. I come to you with an episode about household spirits and I'm saying like have some fun worshipping the spirits that make up your household and like make your home a great place to live for yourself right now because you're spending a lot of time in it. I also do want to say that I, I do very authentically mean like for you, your relationship with your home might be deeply spiritual. Yes. And if that's not you, I recommend that you explore in a way that it could be. I'm not saying you have to like worship the God that lives in the bricks that make up your home if that's not your thing. But I'm saying that like, I do think you should have a deep connection with the area that you live. Mm-hmm. And there are so many pathways available to you to explore and conceptualize that. Yeah. That having been said, I did find a really fun article from otherworldlyoracle.com titled Household Spirits, How to Feed and Care for Them. All right. Yes. Go. Tell me. And this is tagged under Ancestors, Fairies, Folklore, Home and Hearth, and Kitchen Witchcraft. So this is like a very earnest uh, website apparently for for witchcraft practitioners, which I love. And opens with, are you a kitchen or cottage witch who wants an extra helping hand around the house? Maybe you could use some help with your magical workings or someone to protect your household. Household spirits are perfect for the job. And it goes on to explain, like, some of the different types of household spirits, like brownies or domovoi or gnomes or fairies or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it says that even if you don't have one of these living in your house, you do have the actual spirit of your house itself. 
Aw. Yeah. There are different types of household spirits depending on the culture and region. There is the soul of your house. Like, your house was built from, you know, no matter what kind of house you live in, it was at some point made of, like, wood or stone or brick, which come from natural places and natural energies. And if you're someone who believes that all of the trees and stones and mud and, and ground and earth and uh, energetic fields do exist originally in nature, then it is reasonable to believe that those things would persist. Mm-hmm. So that energy is in your home, even if you don't think of it as a spirit. Totally. And nearly every, it goes on to uh, explain, which we already sort of talked about, that nearly every culture has a household god or uh, some form of ancestor worship that would result in a household spirit or like a folk culture. So like any time else that we would ever get into discussing witchcraft or paganism, and I know that's a touchy subject for some people, so we'll make sure to put a tag on the episode. But uh, just in general, like when you are practicing or if you were practicing, I would always encourage people to find something that comes from your culture. Um, you don't generally need to appropriate from other places. Like if you go far enough back, you can find something that does reasonably belong to you that has an element in it. Because like we just went through a whole list of household spirits. So you don't have to like pluck something that sounds fun from an origin that isn't necessarily yours. If you look at the folk cultures that like you can reasonably relate to, chances are you'll find something very similar and you might be able to build a really cool relationship with that concept. Yeah. But in any case, there's a series of steps here, which are literally explaining how to feed and care for your household spirit. So the first one is talk to it. Aww. Just by recognizing that your house has a soul is enough to show gratitude. By talking to it, you are acknowledging that it has life. It has consciousness. Tell it about any renovations or changes you plan to make before making them. Put a hand on a wall and thank your house for doing its job. Yeah. Two, name your house. In the old days, every house was given a name, just like a person. If you travel to the historical parts of the United States, and I'm sure elsewhere in Europe, etc., older homes all have names. Green Manor, House of the Seven Gables, Oak Manor, Our Lady of Mercy, etc., etc., etc. This is an ancient tradition that was passed down through the generations that, until recent years, had continued. You don't have to name your house anything fancy, even if it's just your last name and manor, or estate, or mansion, or etc. I think that's very fun. I know that... Um, when you and I were in college, there were a lot of people whose houses had names, which I thought was very fun. Yeah. And that seems to be like a college tradition in a lot of places. People will be like, oh, this is, I don't want to put anybody on blast. <laughs> but um, our house, we call our house the ranger station. Well, and I remember there was one in college I always thought was nice called the cottage. The cottage is great. There was the low end. There was the monolith, right? There were like various places that just like had a name. And when somebody just like tossed out that term, you knew exactly what it meant. And it's kind of cool because there were houses too that were generally rental properties that were passed down from group to group, but they retained that name. And so there was something actually kind of interesting and sacred about that. Yeah. No, I agree. It's nice. Number three is offerings. On special occasions, or however often you want, provide offerings to the spirit of your house. This is especially important if renovations are about to begin. If you ever hear stories of ghosts and hauntings being stored up from renovations, it's possible that's the spirit of the house itself and not necessarily a ghost. Offerings can be anything. Water, wine, beer, mead, milk, sweets, a portion of your dinner, etc. When you give the offering, state what it's for, and your house will know. So that's some steps on how to care for the spirit of your house. There's also a section on how to care for household spirits like brownies or ancestors or gods or goddesses or deities or etc. Um, number one, for feeding household spirits, which is important. If you have ancestors present in your home, it may be best to set up an altar for them and provide offerings daily or weekly there. This feeds their spirit and energy and shows your gratitude. While ancestors will always protect us, whether we feed or care for them or not, if we do put more effort into our relationship, their blessings on us grow tenfold. As for feeding or caring for household spirits like brownies, domavoy, etc., you'll need to research what offerings they like best traditionally. 
Ancestor worship is an interesting thing. And again, it's not my place to really speak on it. Um, it's more prevalent in a lot of, I would, I would say generically speaking, it's more prevalent in a lot of Asian um, religions and cultures and faith practices. I think it's a little bit less prevalent over here right now, simply because it's probably more uncommon for us to have households that persist from generation to generation. I don't know a lot of people that take up residence in their parents' homes when they pass. Mm -hmm. um, I can't think of any like friends I have right now who are living, well, this is a bad time, <laughs> but right. I don't know of anybody who like has inherited their family home and lives there and plans on passing it down to their children. That just doesn't tend to be how it works over here. So you may or may not have ancestor spirits living in your home. That may or may not be a practice that's relevant to you. But if you have other spirits living in your home, like brownies or fairies or what have you, you can set up a space for them and that sounds kind of nice. On that note, number two would be setting up room for them, which is kind of fun. Aww. This particular article says that ancestors are typically fond of altars, but brownies and household fairies might prefer their own closed off space. You can create a room for them in a linen closet or some other undisturbed cabinet. Clear off a shelf and put a small pillow, blankets, and other comfy objects there for your brownie or elf to rest. Oh, that's sweet. And then this, Addison, I wanted specifically to bring up for you. Okay. Guardian spirits might take up residence in a doll, statue, or other figure if invited in. <laughs> Once they've taken up residence in this figure, clean it regularly, dress it in oils, and give offerings to it as well. All right. Sure. The Domovoy may prefer sleeping and hiding out in a chimney or old stove. Keep it clean and uncluttered. Yeah. And the last note here, which is kind of lovely, is your relationship with household spirits. The relationship and bond that you have with your ancestors, gods, household spirits, etc. is truly in your hands. Just like a relationship with a friend or loved one, it takes care and feeding. It takes time and effort. Don't assume that the spirits of your house, ancestors, or gods will come sweeping in to help you whenever you demand it if you're not putting any effort into the relationship. Yeah. This means regular communication, offerings and gifts, and just plain acknowledgement of their presence. The more you connect with them, the more they will help you, your magic, and your family. Again, this is kind of like faith and practice centric. Uh, and I, I don't want to get solely into like becoming a podcast where we talk about how to deal with fairies and invite them to be your familiar. But I did just want to say that like, whether for you, the process of interacting with your home space means like actively making a little fairy room, which TBH sounds very fun and cute. Yeah. Or whether it just means like taking a second to clean up your room, light a nice candle, like, open up a window and say thank you. Like, I think that's something that we should all be doing right now. Yeah. Well, I agree. I know for me, my mental health, like, is actually directly to, and I'm not just being like, oh, yeah, like, my mental health improves when my walls are clean. Like, literally, I find that my functioning, like, my actual capacity to exist in a space productively and be happy and work and get things done and just, like, go through normal functioning processes is improved drastically when I have spaces that feel clean and decluttered and they're not full of like things that I need to deal with that I haven't dealt with yet. Yeah. Um, like it, it makes a huge difference. And so yeah. if you are finding things really hard right now, everybody is, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that cleaning your house will magically fix that. Right. But I'm saying that right now would be an especially great time while you're spending a lot of time in your home to just evaluate your relationship with it, whether that is from a cryptid-centric point of view or just as a person who has to exist during these hard times. Like, make it a little bit easier for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, as you're talking, I'm, I was looking around at, at my very, very messy room that I, I haven't really made the time, taken the time <laughs> to make into a space that feels comfortable. And Oh, dear friend, this is a self-call-out post as well. Yeah. 
So I I take that to heart is what I'm saying. Yeah, I know um, when I was growing up, something that is interesting to me and that I still carry very deeply with me to this day, I could always tell when I got home if my mom had been cleaning because she would light candles in any room that she had picked up. And so it's just like this very specific thing where like my mom would finish cleaning a room and then she would light a candle in it. And so sometimes I would come home and the house would smell like candles as soon as I opened the door. And like the energy in that space was just so drastically different. And there was something about just like walking in to like a freshly vacuumed carpet and like a lit candle that just like signified so much peace for me. Um, And it's something that I've kept with me. Like now it's just a habit that I've picked up because I think it's just associated so strongly. Like whenever I am cleaning, I will clean a room and then light a candle in it. And that's sort of a sign to me of like, this room is done. This space is clean. This is good. Like this energy is set. And I don't know, that's just like an interesting thing that I've, that I've picked up. But for me, it really is kind of nice. And there's such a feeling of accomplishment and finality in like lighting that wick at the end and being like, this room is done. <laughs> I think that's lovely. It's nice. I think it's a, it's a little thing that makes a big difference. And especially if you like candles, I do. Bear doesn't. He hates them. But I think it's kind of nice to like, one, you reward yourself for cleaning the room with a nice smelling candle. Two, it's a signifier to like any domestic partners that you might have of like, don't heck up this room. I just cleaned it. Mm. (laughs) But also like to watch that little flame spread from room to room to room as you go. Like if you're cleaning more than one room at a time is really nice. And then you end up with a house full of candles and it's like, oh, this is so relaxing. It's so sweet. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I got for you today. Thank you. I honestly, this is the energy I really needed right now. I didn't really know I needed it till till you had it. Oh, I'm so glad. Kind of like a... Like a warm bowl of oatmeal kind of energy. Aw, yeah, very folksy. I know that I personally have been struggling hard, and I know I have not been um, particularly subtle about that, which, you know, I I like to be open about the things that I'm going through and and things that I'm dealing with. I think it's important, especially right now. I refuse to become a social media presence who people look at and say, how do they have it all together? Because reader, I do not. But um, thankfully, um, this weekend, I, I... told myself in advance, I'm like, I'm taking Friday off and I'm taking Monday off because I find on the weekends, I get to a point where like, I feel obligated to spend most of Saturday doing all the things I couldn't get done during the rest of the week. And then Sunday, I have like three hours of weekend time that feels like weekend time. And then I get to like 1pm on Sunday and I'm like, oh, shoot, it's almost Monday again. And I'm like actively dreading Monday so much that my weekend does not feel like a break or like anything restful at all. So um, I took off Friday and I took off Monday and it's nice because now it's Saturday evening and I still have two days ahead of me and I feel really good. Like I got some things done. I cleaned up some spaces. I like fulfilled some orders. I went to the, like masked up and went to the post office. And now I'm like, now I can rest. Now I can be in the sunshine. I can exist with my beautiful dog and my wonderful fiance. I can talk to my friends and like, it feels like a rest period. And I think that's extremely important. So if that's something you have the freedom to do right now, anything that you can do to make your time of rest feel like a time of rest is really, really important. I will admit, I'm gonna drag myself right now. I said at the beginning of this weekend, I would not check my work phone. I have done it out of habit about four times. That's okay. So that's on that's on me, but that's less than I would on a regular weekend. So we're still doing better. Baby steps. That's right. I'm proud of you. Thank you. You're welcome. If you have the resources to try to make this time as easy for you as you can and find joy in small things where you can find it, I think that's really important. And um, I wish that for everyone. Totally agreed. You want to take us home? 
Yes. Yes, I will. Thank you for joining us um, this week. As every week, it's nice to have you around. And uh, so as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.